with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. That's what we've been called to do. Love our God. Jesus is our God, the second person of the Trinity, God the Son. And God has called us to love him. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't really love God. Love him enough to have accepted, to believe in Jesus as your Savior and receive him and, uh, and know him as your Savior and Lord. If you haven't done that, now's the time. Today is the day, the Bible says, to receive such a great salvation. And you can fall in love with Jesus as many of us or most of us here do today. I decided I, I want to remind myself that I really do love Jesus, so I, I wore my I love Jesus, my heart Jesus tie. And I'm so thankful for that. Well, you know what? The Bible's all about Jesus. Pastor Randy has been preaching through the Gospel of John, and it's been amazing how much we learn about Jesus in the Gospel of John, as he has so much to say about himself. And then he's taking a little break, and now he's in he's in the book of Exodus. And he's sharing how we can see Jesus in the book of Exodus. And he's coming up with a sermon real soon comparing the birth of Jesus, our Christmas story, with the birth of Moses. That's coming up, I think, in two weeks from now. So I'm excited about that. But search the scriptures. Search your Bibles. Search them. Jesus said that they bear witness of me. And indeed they do. And we have a perfect classic example here this morning in, in the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. We'll get to that in a moment. We have a problem, a big problem on earth. It's the sin problem. It began right away, and Adam and Eve, they sinned, they, they rebelled against God, they had one law to obey, and they couldn't keep it. And then the first family got in trouble, brother killed brother, Cain killed Abel. The first family, we got off to a really bad, bad start. And guess what? We're still there. We have a big problem, a sin problem. That rebellious attitude, that lawless attitude, that selfish attitude that only matters about me. When the great commandment God gave us was to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all our strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And even in the church sometimes, our number one commandment to love, Jesus said, they will know that you're my disciples if you love one another, agape love one another, a sacrificing love, a giving love, an enduring love, unchangeable love, an unconditional love, whether they respond or not, or whether they are worthy or not in your eyes or anybody else's eyes. But yet we don't do that like we should. Husbands, we're called to agape love our wives. And how many of you husbands out there today really agape love your wife, intentionally do that? Well, we, get, we fall short. We got a sin problem. And the consequences of that sin problem is death. And that's why there is dying. But more than physical death, it's spiritual death. And, death. and the word death means separation. We're separated from our bodies, our souls are, when we die physically. We're separated from God in this world without Christ. And if we die that way in spiritual death, it turns into eternal spiritual death. And your fate is sealed. That's why you need Jesus. You really need him. He is the solution for the sin problem. He brings salvation. And the beginning of the story is the Christmas story. And here we are in December, the first Sunday of December. And a month from now, it's going to be 2017. Whoa. How many are really kind of glad that 2016 is almost done? Yeah. 
Some of us are. At the beginning of the year, if it weren't for modern medicine, I wouldn't have my wife right now and I wouldn't have my daughter who lives up in Kula. Modern medicine, God's provision for us for modern medicine um, allows them both to be alive. So I'm, I'm ready for 2017, a fresh start. But before that, Jesus is the reason for the season. Amen? A few trite sayings here. And wise men still seek him. So let's go back to the prophet Isaiah. Open your Bible to the prophet Isaiah. For chapter 9, we're going to look at the first seven verses that uh, Brother Lance read for us today. And let's look at the first two to begin with. Verses 1 and 2. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, the light on them has light shone. So you notice in the first two verses, there's a contrast between, it says there, the former time and the latter time. This whole passage is really focused around the latter time. But the former time sets the stage for why the latter time is needed. And the former time here talks about two of the tribes of Israel. In northern Israel, and that would be Zebulun and Naphtali. You see, uh, when Israel first had a king, they had Saul, then they had David, then they had Solomon. And because of Solomon's sin and then the consequences of his son's sin, the nation of Israel was divided. And there was the northern tribes and there was the southern tribe of Judah. And the northern tribes, this was about 931 B.C., went on for almost 200 years with a number of kings, and every single one of them, starting with the first one, Jeroboam, who God basically said, here it is. I'm handing you everything on a platter, which he does to us today, by the way, in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. And Jeroboam just, he, didn't, he just disregarded it in an unbelievable way. And he got involved in idolatry. And all the kings after him continued in that idolatry. And they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Oh, oh. And so this is what was like when Isaiah the prophet was here. He lived in the 700s. So he was getting close to the end of that 200-year reign. And in the previous chapter, chapter 8, they're called Samaria. So let's call them that, Samaria. And there was bad news that in the previous chapter that the king of Assyria was going to come and conquer them and take them away and utterly destroy Samaria, the northern part of Israel, because of their idolatry, because of their immorality, because of their shedding of blood and all that goes along with the sin problem that we have. And they totally, really ignored God. Maybe here today, maybe you're re ignoring God. Young person, maybe somebody brought you to church. Oh, here's your opportunity to come to Jesus today. Really, he wants you. He loves you. He desires you. He made you, and he made you unique. So he's got a plan for you, a special plan in himself. So anyway, the former times. And it says here that Galilee was in anguish or, or in distress. And if you, have, if you have a bulletin, you can check your outline. And the, there's an outline in the bulletin you can follow along with. You see Galilee in distress. Uh, anguish. You know what that's like when things are just so heavy on you. You can barely stand up. 
your heart is sunk down into your gut instead of on your chest. And life is just bad. And life is hard. And life is depressing and discouraging. And sometimes you just want to check out. That's how bad it was in those days. Why? Because they turned away from the Lord. The Lord offered them everything. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, one of the coolest chapters in the Bible, he told the nation of Israel, if you will obey me, basically the paraphrase is, I'll bless you in everything if you obey me. But if you turn your back on me and disobey me, I'm going to end up cursing you and everything, and your life's going to be miserable. So if I would have been a king of Israel, I would have said, Teresa, did you read Deuteronomy 28 today? And she says, well, not yet. Take her to the stocks for an hour. That's how important it was. And today, that, that for us would be, do you really love Jesus? Am I loving Jesus today? And if you do, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Hallelujah. And so in the former times, Galilee was distressed. Not only that, it was in darkness. And it talks about here, they walked in darkness. Verse 2, they were in deep darkness. If you look at the, if you take a look at the last chapter, the previous chapter, chapter 8, and go to the last verse, it says here, and they will look down or to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. Has anybody ever been, have you ever been in thick darkness? Like in a cave or maybe in a closet when there's actually no light coming in and you cannot even see your hand? I've been in a cave before. It was absolute thick darkness. And I couldn't see anything whatsoever. And I was afraid to take a step because of maybe I might hit a slag tight or whatever those things are from the roof and the bottom. Or maybe a hole or the wall, you know, or somebody else. And one little match was enough light to see what I needed to see. One little match. But yet in the former times, the land of Galilee lived in darkness. Now, was the sun there? Yeah. So we're not talking about physical light and, and, and darkness that comes from physical darkness. We're talking about spiritual light. The light to be able to see who God is and what God wants. They were in spiritual darkness, so they were walking in evil and wickedness rather than goodness and righteousness. They were walking in lies rather than the truth. They were walking in hatred rather than love. And all that is about God the light about God, that we can see who he is and what his nature is and what he wants from you, they didn't have because they turned their backs on God. That was the former times. And it was about to get worse because in the previous chapter, like I said, um, the prophet Isaiah prophesied that, um, I, uh, that the king of Assyria was going to come and conquer them. It was already bad. and It was about to get really, really bad. So that was the present darkness in the former times, in Isaiah's times, and the time to come. Galilee in distress, Galilee in darkness. But that's not the end of the story. That's only the beginning. Because what is about to happen is the light is coming. Look at this. We see this. The joy, the light in Galilee. Verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness on them has light shone or light dawned, the Holman Christian Standard and the NIV say, the light has come. So all of a sudden, in their 
hard times, difficult times, there are dark times, God sends a light. But it wasn't going to be then. It was going to be in a latter time. Do you see that? The former time, the latter time. And Isaiah lived about 700 years before Christ. And this wouldn't come to fruition for about another 700 years. And we're talking the Christmas story here. The light coming. We'll get down to that in verse 6. A future light in Galilee. Oh, Pastor Randy preached on John chapter 7. And the Pharisees were just putting Jesus down. And Nicodemus, you know, Nick at night from chapter 3, he stood up for Jesus. And they said, are you from Galilee too? Search the scriptures. You'll see that no prophet comes out of Galilee. And when Pastor Randy was preaching that, it wasn't fair because he was preaching the word. I was about ready to stand up and say, I object. I object. Because that's not true. The Pharisees didn't know what they were talking about. They didn't know Isaiah chapter 9, an amazing chapter. Out of Galilee, a great light was going to come. Not just a light, not a match light. We did a one at our church in Indiana, and we had flashlight night. So the goal of flashlight night was to bring the most powerful flashlight you could bring. I mean, you know, I got my flashlight on my phone. I was real proud of that. One kid brought this thing. The battery pack was this big. And the bulb, the light was that big. And I mean, it was almost like, whoa, you could blind. They offer on the internet these days, and I don't really check it out, but some kind of blinding flashlight, military flashlight. Have you seen that advertised? Yeah. We're talking a great light. And now we're talking not just physical light coming out of Galilee, but spiritual light. The truth can now be seen. Righteousness and godliness and holiness can now be seen in a person. Truth can be in the person. What did Jesus have to say? He said, I am the truth, didn't he? And all these things that spiritual darkness allows you not to see, the great light in Galilee was going to allow them in Galilee. Did they deserve it? Absolutely not. It's the grace of God. Did I deserve for Jesus to come into my life? Absolutely not. I was going the other way. And he used my wife. I'm a 1 Peter 3 husband, by the way, if you know what that means. He used my wife. He used people at church when I started going to church for the first time. He used a Gideon's Testament that I got in the Navy. He used, he used my wife and those people in the Gideon Testament to bring me to him. And I wasn't even interested. But now I love him. I love him with all my heart. My heart's desire that each and every one of you would love Jesus to the max. That you would be jumping up and down at, with the joy that we're going to see in the next passage, but with the light, that you would love the light and you would run to light. When Pastor Randy preached on John chapter 3, it talks about after the great John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And it goes and talks about people going like this and running to the darkness and loving the darkness because their deeds are evil and they're wicked and, and they're, they feel safe in there that nobody's going to see them, especially God. Oh, God can't see me. I'm in the dark. But they don't want to come to light. But those of us who come to light want our deeds exposed because Jesus is working our deeds. He's in me, working in me and through me. And the same with you. And so the light, and a great, great light was going to come out of Galilee. Wow. And nothing was going to come out of Galilee. Can anything good come out of Galilee? Are you kidding me? The prophet, the number one, 
coming out of Galilee, a future light to dawn, a future light to shine. And it says here, look what it says here about in verse 1. It says, In the latter time, he, God, has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, the Galilee of the nations. And then what a slam that was to call it Galilee of the nations because it should have been Galilee of Israel, but because of their idolatry, the nations had taken over. You see, after the last king of Judah died, that was it. That was it. They had no king. They only had governors after that. And they're waiting for the son of David to retake, to take his throne. And we'll see that at the end of this passage here. So, a light in Galilee. Secondly, let's look at verses 3 through 5. Not only are we going to see a great light, but we're going to see some joy. How many like joy? Yeah. I like joy a lot. I like joy a lot. Sometimes when Pastor Randy's preaching, I'd like to stand in the pew and jump up and down because I'm so excited about it. But I'm at my age, it's not very good policy, and you go, what's the matter with that guy? But that's how I feel on the inside. There is great great joy in Jesus. And you know what? The Christmas season, does it turn us into joyful people? It does. I've never seen so many joyful people the rest of the year other than at Christmas. It's amazing. And let's look what it says here in verses 3 through 5. It says this. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice with me before you as with the joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Let's just stop there for a second right now. The joy in Galilee multiplied, increased. You know, when you're in gloom, there's no joy to be found. Where's it at? What is it? I don't know what it is. But when joy comes, joy can be contagious. You know, we're, we're told to go and make disciples of all nations, right? That's our great commission. And you go, oh, I'm not very good at witnessing. You know what? You don't have to really witness too much. You go out and live your faith. And people go, what are you, what are you all about? You're like happy and joyful. And, and oh, you're one of those Jesus people. Yeah. When I go out to lunch today, I'm taking my life, wife out to lunch. People are going to see this and go, he's one of those Jesus people. And if I walk around like this, you know, it's not going to be a very good testimony. But on the inside, yeah, joy. And so here we see some joy in Galilee, some increased joy. And they give two examples here. And the first is, in uh, verse 3, as the joy at the harvest. Do we have any farmers in here? Anybody that grew up on a farm? What state were you in, Amy? Montana. What kind of crops did you raise? What were they? Sugar beets, sugar beets and grain. Okay, I thought you said rain. Okay, grain. I grew up in Indiana. We had corns and soybean. What about you, Dana? Uh, yeah, and I mean like corn over here, soybean over here, corn over here, soybean over there, everywhere you looked. Here was sugar cane everywhere, right? Until this summer, till now. And so when the crops came in, there was like, 
how, if they were a good crop, how exciting. They had parties. They rejoiced. And it was a great, wonderful time. Well, that's nothing because that only lasts a season. Well, how about joy for eternity? Jesus said, I will give you eternal life. Do you know how long eternal life is? It's a very long time. It's like this long, okay? Eternal life. How about jumping up and down in the pew? Yeah. Eternal life. And the joy at the harvest is amazing, but it only lasts a season. The joy when your team wins the World Series or, or the Super Bowl or something. It's so wonderful. And the Cubs fans went crazy this year because it was 108 years or whatever it was. But guess what? The new season starts in a few months and it's all over again. And you've got to start thinking about the new one. The second example he gives here is the, the joy that comes from victory at war. And dividing the spoils, it says here. Well, when you win the victory, you get the spoils. And um, I can't remember back to World War II because I wasn't born yet. But I've seen some victory parades of welcoming back the airmen and the soldiers and the marines and the sailors and all those people and having great parades and great celebrations. Why? Because they're home and safe. Many of them are anyway. And they're home for the rest of them. But what that means is the war is over. We're in a spiritual war right now. And someday, at the end of verse, when verse 7 comes to pass here in this, Christmas is only the beginning of the story. Verse 7 is the end of the story. There is going to be a huge, wonderful celebration about peace. No war. And so the second example is after a successful war and you win the victory and you have the spoils. So it talks about in verses 4 and 5, verse 4, the yoke of his burden and the staff of, for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as for fuel in the fire. Why? The yoke is shattered. We are under the yoke of sin as human beings. And Jesus come to break that yoke and set us free. Galatians chapter 5, if you're free, you are free indeed. Don't go back under that yoke again. You're free. Now we have the freedom to live a righteous life and a holy life and a godly life. We have the freedom to know the truth and speak the truth and stand for the truth. We have the freedom to be wise in all that God has for us. We have that freedom. Well, and here, it's not talking about that. It's talking back in the life that we live where there's war. And the day is coming. It talks about here with this burden being lifted and the rejoicing. The war will end. And that hasn't happened yet. Daniel chapter 9, verse 26 says that war will continue to the end. So don't be surprised. You know, they always pray for peace on earth. We pray for peace on earth. We pay for, pray for world peace. Well, it isn't going to happen until verse 6, the Prince of Peace comes back and sets up his kingdom. But until then, we're in this situation where we have conflict and war. But the joy that comes when war is over, and here in verse 5 gives us a little preview about the future when they're going to burn the clothing of the warriors. They're not going to clean the clothing. They're not going to clean and polish the boots. They're going to burn them. Why? Because you don't need them anymore. Huh? 
No more war. What a glorious day. And Jesus is going to bring that peace on earth. We see that. We celebrate that in Christmas time. And he's brought, bought and brought peace within the church. We're at peace with one another. We don't have conflict. We love one another. But in the whole world, it hasn't come about yet. So there will be joy coming out of Galilee. And finally, the last two verses, deliverance for Israel. And let's look at this. This is very familiar. Most of us have probably gotten Christmas cards that have this verse 6 in it. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Well, 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 well. That's the Christmas story. What an appropriate time of year to read and have this passage before us. Written 700 years in the former times, before Christ came in the latter times, the beginning of the latter times, a child is born. In two chapters before this, in chapter 7, verse 14, he told, he, he, the prophet Isaiah was told by God that a virgin would be with child and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel, God with us. I could say, hey, Teresa, God be with you. But this was literally God becoming man. Jesus is God the Son who became man and lived among us. Read John chapter 1. Go back to the pastor's sermon on John chapter 1 on our, on, our, uh, um, on our webpage. For us a child is born. To us a son is given. And we celebrate that every year at this time as this is the beginning of the life of Jesus Christ. The world waited 4,000 years for Jesus to come along. In the fullness of time, Galatians 4.4 talks about that Jesus came and set those under the law free. And we're free indeed in Christ. Free to live righteous and holy lights. To walk in the light and experience the joy that God has for all of us. If you haven't taken that step yet, you need to come to Jesus. I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end. If you've never accepted, received him, believed in him, what he did on the cross, the good news about Jesus, and received him, you need to do it today. And if you've already done that, you belong to him, and you're not walking in the light, you're not experiencing that joy, that's probably because there's sin in your life, and he's really not the Lord that he needs to be in your life. And you can make a change in that as well. But you see, the Christmas story is only the beginning. And the Easter story, the resurrection, how he died on the cross and was buried and rose again according to the scriptures, that's the fulfillment. That's the price was paid in full for your sin. But then he ascended up to heaven 40 days later. And you know what? He's coming back. You see, Christmas story and the Easter story is just the beginning. This whole thing about peace in world, it hasn't taken place yet. Look what it says here in these two verses. Verse 6, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. If you go to Luke chapter, Luke chapter 1, 31 to 33 in there, and uh, look to see the promise made to the Virgin Mary about her son, Jesus, who was going to be great and be the son of the most God and take over the throne of David and rule over the kingdom of uh, Judah, or uh, Israel, Judah, I think it was said, and, uh, and then his kingdom would never end. That same promise is made right here in verses 6 and 7. The government will be upon his shoulder, the one, this child, this son, the son of God who was born into the world. 
But it goes on to, before we get into that too much, we want to see who this child is, who this son is, how special he is. Is he just an ordinary son, another son born into the world? What, look what it's called. His name shall be called first Wonderful Counselor. And if you look at the ministry of Jesus in the Gospels, his teachings are incredible. The Sermon on the Mount. Wow. Wow. Blessed are those who, and, and, and finish the sentence. Amazing counsel. And he went up to heaven, and we go, oh, no. But he gave us his word. But even better, he says, if I go up, I'll send down from the Father the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the helper. And now in every true believer, he lives in you, and you're sealed to the day of redemption until Jesus comes back, and he is your counselor. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. And what else he's all called? He's mighty God. You mean God became man? Truly? Yes, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. We sing that. God became man. Jesus just isn't another prophet. He is God in the flesh. And you read John chapter 1, and you can see so much more about that. He's everlasting Father. He said in, in the Gospel of John where there's so much, and I really appreciate Pastor Randy preaching through John, so much he had to say about himself, about his being the Son of God, the Son of Man, and his relationship to the Father. He is in me, and I'm in him, and we're one. And, and if you've seen me, you've seen him. And he, What his is mine, mine is his. Wow. So can Jesus rightly be called Everlasting Father? The Holy Spirit says so right here. The mighty God, Everlasting Father, and finally the Prince of Peace. We talked about in verses 3 through 5 about peace coming and the joy that comes from that. Well, the Prince of Peace will bring that. Right now, he's brought peace in, in our hearts. We don't have to fret over sin anymore. Praise the Lord. He's brought us that peace. But you know what? The Bible has so much more to say. I just want to, in John chapter 1 alone, John chapter 1 alone, chapter 1 alone, he is the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us, whose glory as of the only Son of the Father. For us a child is born, a son is given. Full of grace and truth. It says he was God. It says here he was the creator. He's the Lamb of God, the Son of God by John the Baptist. Oh, he's the Son of God. Nathaniel, oh, the Son of God. The Messiah, the Christ, and the King of Israel. Seven amazing titles in addition to these four we see here in uh, Isaiah chapter 9. Jesus is beyond imagination. Very God himself in the flesh. And the Bible says that Jesus was the same yesterday and today and forever. And the Jesus we know today is the Jesus they had back in Galilee at the latter times when he was born. Except we have the perspective now of seeing his whole life and we have the scriptures and then living out 2,000 years of church history. Yes, yes, yes. Verse 7. Look at that last verse. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. The increase will never end. Peace will never end. His government will never end. On the throne of David, as the son of David, he rightly takes that throne. And over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. You see, that's what's so great about being in Jesus. The justice and the righteousness that he stands for, for the first time, we can have some, some hope in our lives. 
that things are going to be set right in a world that's all messed up and turned upside down and inside out. Justice and righteousness from this time forth and for how long? Forevermore. The sun will reign. Now, that didn't happen. Jesus died on the cross, was buried. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He was here for 40 days and he ascended up to heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit down. We're in the church age now. But guess what? His government isn't reigning over the world. But he promised to come back. It's judgment day coming. And that day is coming. And it's sooner now than it was yesterday. I'll just leave that at that. And that day comes. And the Bible says, Seek the Lord while I may be found. Count on, call on him while he is near. Don't delay. If you've never called upon the name of Jesus, you're hoping that maybe sometime later, maybe on your deathbed, you'll call on Jesus. Well, what good is that? You missed out on a whole life of living the, the joy that the rest of us have. And who knows, maybe you won't have a deathbed. Maybe you'll die in an accident or die from a heart attack. Or, or maybe while you're on your deathbed, you'll be so doped up from the drugs just to keep you, you know, living that you won't know, you won't have your mind there. The time to get right with Jesus. This is the Jesus that the scriptures portray. The great light, the one who brings great joy and the King of kings and the Lord of lords who will set up a kingdom that will last forever. This is why you should believe in Jesus. There is no one greater. There is no one greater. He made you. He owns you. What a tragedy it would be if you will live a lifetime and reject your creator. Oh, my friend. Let's bow in a word of prayer today. If you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you've never believed in the good news that he died on the cross for your sins, that he was buried, he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he's your savior, humble yourself today. Say, I am sorry, God. I repent from unbelief in your son. And I give my life to Jesus today. I give my life to you, Jesus, as my savior and my Lord, and I will follow you all the days that you give me. If you pray that prayer and mean in your heart, tell somebody here so we can help you get on the right foot. Oh, Father, hear our prayers today. And if you're here and he's not truly the Lord and master of your life, surrender to him. Say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. Set me free from the sin that entangles me. Set me free and help me to live a life that glorifies you in everything that I think and do and say and all that I am. Oh, Father, hear our prayers. Your Son is our Savior, our Lord, our Master. We believe and we love you, God, with all our hearts and all our souls and all our minds and all our strengths. And many of us here, Father, we desire We desire to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness all the days that you give us. In the precious name of your son, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. God bless.